Today is Wednesday, November 15th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, let's talk about prevenient grace, and then we will talk about (laughs) marriage, divorce, and eunuchs. Oh my. Um, Going back to what Moses really meant when he talked about uh, divorce in Deuteronomy 24, I think, in 24, and when Jesus talks about uh, hearkening back to Moses for the hardness of heart and things like that, and then we get into some manuscripts and, you know, which one said what, the Byzantine text, Alexandrian text, etc., etc. So if you want to know about some history and things like that and the marriage thing, uh, stay tuned. Then we have 90s Christian rock quiz of all the great old bands we all grew up like listening to. Um, so that's entertaining and some other stuff mixed in along the way. Um, I guess that's it. Buy my book. (laughs) Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, uh, how to have civil discussions with people who may not always be so civil and in so doing with gentleness and respect, giving an account for the hope you have and a reason why you have it and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is ultimately the only big thing, only thing, biggest thing that matters. Ultimately, that's it. You can also check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, coffee cup, doggy shirt, um, and support this podcast. Thanks, and take care, everyone. See you next time. Um, The clip that I had sent you. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so, okay. So there's some, in theology, there is something called prevenient grace, Okay. So if you are of the free willy persuasion and you are, you know, fully embracing your inner killer whale, um, the, right. The way in which people are brought to God in that system is something called prevenient grace. It just means that, you know, the Holy spirit does a work in your life to allow you to exercise your free will. Okay. Um, this is, this is just the, the libertarian position. Are you taking your breath or is that the end of it? No, I'll I'll be right back. Oh, I guess Chris has to go get a whipping. (laughs) Well, while we put a pin in that, See you. How's your morning going? What's up, dude? It's going. It's going wonderful so far. Uh, Well, the cat that normally hates me has been coming around meowing, wanting attention more. So, oh, watch up, little demon cat. Who's your little demon cat? Oh my gosh, my cat used to roll up to me and start like clawing me if I didn't pet her right away. (laughs) But yeah, we haven't had that cat in a long time. But um, cat perished. But um. For lack of as, knowledge, as cats do. Well, no, I think she just she got old and then she lost her sense of balance <laughs> and then she fell off of a really oh, high. Yeah, she fell off of like a really high place. I don't mean to laugh at your dead cat. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean. Okay, my back to the three-year-old was devastated. So anyway, <laughs> um, and I was too. I'd had that cat a long time. Anywho, so, um, prevenient grace is just, it's common. Like, you know, you, you, it's one of two positions. Either there's the Calvinist position where you're regenerated and then you respond in faith, right? So that's regeneration precedes faith. 
Or the flip side of that is that you are given prevenient grace and that when you hear the gospel, you are able to respond and to choose or not to choose to follow the gospel, right? So those are the two Christian positions. And that's been that way, I don't know, since Jacob Arminius came up with this, like, whatever, 1620. Um, a little earlier than that, but like 1615. But um, <clears throat> because, you know, the Bible, you know, describes us as spiritually dead, et cetera, et cetera. So like, you know, in order to instantiate the free willy position and embrace your inner killer whale, um, there has to be some type of work of the spirit preceding your, you know, coming to faith or rejecting faith. And so everybody had to take, has, has to take this. And so when, when in that clip, our friend was saying, Calvinists teach prevenient grace. That's why it was so funny. Like it was just uh. like, cause it's like Calvinists preach the exact opposite of that. Um, and prevenient grace is the free willy position. And so you cannot be a Christian and deny prevenient grace if you are not a Calvinist. So like there's, it's a one, it's a binary, it's a one or a zero. It's like you either accept regeneration preceding faith or you reject, or you accept prevenient grace. Those are your only two choices in Christian theology. And so for somebody I, to say, <clears throat> huh? Oh yeah. I, I just wasn't sure what I was supposed to get from that clip. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to see something because I saw like words flashing, but it was like really bad quality and I couldn't see it. Or uh, yeah. I, I, so I guess I was just supposed to listen to the argument and, not worry about what the words were. Well, but I also like, thought I'm like I thought it was like someone I someone I was supposed to know saying it, and I didn't recognize any of the voices or people. So, uh, anyway, I'll you probably just have that. to send it to you over Discord because I have a much it's much higher quality. But because you're on the non chosen by God platform of Android, it dumbs it down into an MMS message, which is probably postage stamp size instead of the high well, resolution the audio, so. video. Anyway. So, I mean, if it's yeah. the audio I'm supposed to hear, then I heard the audio. I yeah, I mean, I think Rick put a bunch of, like, funny video clips in it, too. But um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was. Yeah, so that that's why that was so hilarious. So give, giving you some context, like, like, Calvinists would never, ever teach prevenient grace because that is literally the opposite of the Calvinist position, so... Well, thank you. And uh, about the about the cat, like I, I also had a cat. She was like eighteen. Um, um, and she got blind, and we we had like a a basement like stairs, so she kept like going down the stairs, like stumbling down the stairs, and couldn't like get back up. <laughs> and it took us a while to figure that out. <clears throat> so, anyways, like we we finally figured it out. So we put litter boxes all over the house, and you know we contended with this for a while. But one thing I just cannot deal with is like poop and pee everywhere. Can't deal with it. So, you know, if you want to live in my house, you got to use the bathroom uh, the right way. Anyway, so she finally, she just could not, would not figure it out. Um, so, you know, we, we um, <clears throat> parted ways. My wife's like, what? So you're saying if I can't control myself and I do that, you're just going to get rid of me? I remained too silent for too long. I got in trouble. Yeah, you probably should have reassured her at that moment. Like, like by the way, well, you're in a different I'm, category. 
Oh, wait, are we having a split here? I, I'm thinking. <laughs> love you. Love you, honey. <laughs> are, are we in different categories? Like, I, I don't want things pooping and peeing uncontrollably all over my house. I, she I might know. hit you in the head hard enough where you're the one who does it. Right. And that's why uh, I just rely on besides the head hitting thing that she will be a better person than me. That is just fantastic. So, yeah. That's great. So, yeah, Am anyway, I that's why that scenario, like, uh, like there has to be a, there has to be a way to stop feces and urine all over your house. Um, and be like, well, we're going to get someone to take care of that. Or we're going to get help for that. There has to be a solution um, where you're not the bad guy for not wanting that to happen. I, I, I think it's called hiring somebody. So get get going, make a bunch more money, and then you can hire somebody to handle your um, pet stuff. Oh, we're back to pets, not humans. Well, yeah, I... I assumed. I mean, if we're talking about humans, then you have a nurse. Yes. That's like an actual person you can hire. Well, let's just hope, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, we'll all be with our Lord and Savior before it gets to that point. Marquise, your audio better not be awful. You could hire Marquise. <laughs> I'm sure Marquise would clean up after you. Oh, sure oh my God. Are you kidding me? I mean, I let's try that the, again. I hooked up to the uh, I hooked up to the car audio just so I could unmute so that you could have that response. <laughs> hmm. What's up? No, I was just I was just laughing at your sort of you're leaning into the for better of the for better and worse. Yeah, I popped in later on in the afternoon. I think you should be all set there, Papa. Um, and they were still keeping it open, and it was uh, Steph and, I don't know, a whole bunch of people. And then oh, I really? came in, and a whole bunch of those people left. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what time were... did you come in? Because I, I, I Irished goodbye pretty early. Uh, I came in, like, about 11 o'clock, maybe, like, 10.45, but... Um, yeah, it was hilarious because a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of our uh, Pelagian friends were modded up on stage, <laughs> and then uh, I came in and they just all disappeared. The wicked flee when no one pursueth. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. So I was like, and then and then um, Pastor Mark was talking and it was pretty good and then you know he's talking about like well we have god's word and you know god doesn't speak audibly to us and then i don't know connie got triggered and it was a whole thing and i you would be proud of me i kept my mouth shut i just asked questions so you you made or somewhat connie got angry because of what mark said and i wouldn't say angry more triggered you know I don't know. It's triggered and angry. It's triggered and be like on the scale. Like I, I figured that would be worse than work woke or woke angry. I mean, more. Oh my gosh! I, the, the day do, is done. Do I'm you need some coffee, buddy? Or 
Are you trying to say wangry? No, I'm trying to say triggered makes me think of woke, which would be worse than angry. I think it'd be better to say someone was angry than triggered because if it's like triggered, that like has woke woke implications, and I I, you know I want to avoid that for people I like. (laughs) Yeah, I mean I wouldn't say Connie's woke in any way. I mean that's what I associate trigger with, like the worst. uh, Ah, okay, so like somebody's got purple here. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, like butterflies or murder, and you know, like you know, just associations. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I wonder. We're I, trying to combine uh, woke and angry as like a woke angry. So that's wangry. pretty clever. That's pretty clever, actually. I like the wangry because you can also like you know because they are a bunch of wangs, so it's like you know it's got that connotation. British wangry. pun. Oh snap! Oh no, that's right? wank. Never mind. Never mind. That's a wank. Never mind. Jacobus, what's up? My 13-year-old says, uh, like, when he's referring to a, um, a male anatomy, he will call it a wang sometimes. Yeah, like I was saying, Jacobus, what's up? <laughs> Y'all can hear me? Uh-huh. All right, because I got the punk-ass headphones on. I didn't know if the shit was going to be clear. Oh. It's not super clear, but we do hear you. I mean, it sounds like when you're, like, living across the street from somebody and you stretch a tin can across the... The road oh, so these shits ain't screen. working. That's why. See, at least you honest. You honest, Chris. You a real Chris. You honest, Chris. I like that. Let me take these punk ass headphones out. All right. We'll give it a minute. Right, so Nate prefers the uh, Nate. Nate's gonna prefer the uh, the bad headphones over the the background noise. I'm <clears> if Catholicism, I was left with no options, yo. <laughs> if Catholicism is right, I'm just doing all my purgatory right now. I'm just getting it all out of the way. All right, so I'm gonna ask the question fast and put the punk ass headphones on. So, um, do y'all know what was Moses' reason for divorce or like excuse for divorce? Hardness of heart. I'm right, so Jesus talks about this, right? So this is this is when Jesus is giving a discourse on uh, morality, and he talks about divorce, and he talks about how Moses gave certain prescriptions for divorce um, in the case of adultery for because of the hardness of people's hearts. And so what Jesus was doing in that passage is he was parroting the actual Pharisaical um, tradition about divorce, as opposed to the Sadducees' position about divorce, where they had basically no-fault divorce um, as a benefit for men. And Jesus was rebuking that. So Moses' excuse for divorce was adultery? That That was the provision, yes. Wouldn't she be stoned if it was adultery? So there were certain cases in which adultery couldn't be proven, but that the, you know, because there has to be two or three witnesses um, in order to uh, establish guilt. And so the husband may know from his own eyewitness testimony that she had committed adultery. And in that case, that would be the grounds for divorce, Um, but it would not be enough grounds for her execution. That seems surprisingly fair. Yep. 
It's kind of like they value women. It's kind of like they value the lives of women somewhere. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is like, I mean, think about it. Like if you were a dude and you had like a dripping faucet of a wife and you wanted to get rid of her, um, all you'd have to do is accuse her of adultery. And, uh, you know, if there, you know, weren't enough witnesses, but you know, you accuse her of adultery, um, and then have her stoned to death and you would be free of your dripping faucet. Um, you know, God didn't want to leave that type of provision in there. So he meant, made sure that things like, um, capital punishment had to be established by two or three witnesses. You mean like that famous King who got, uh, his wife killed so that he could marry somebody else? Henry the eighth. But where does Moses say this though? Uh, the provisions for divorce, I believe, are in Deuteronomy. It's been a while. I don't, I yeah, don't exactly somewhere. remember. Yeah. I feel like chapter 19, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. I mean, we could look it up. Yeah, let's have some fun with that. Well, I mean, while we're all, I guess, looking for that, is there an ultimate point? Like, thinks I was just curious, or like, no, you're wrong, here's why. Just so we kind of um, have an idea. Nah, I don't like saying people wrong. I like, like, um, one thing I know so far, though, is that the rabbis couldn't agree on what Moses' excuse was, and the pastors couldn't agree either. So now it's like, it's like a mystery. Well, so it's is not... this for intellectual curiosity, or is there a woman you would like to divorce? <laughs> or, nah, or stone. More like, um, or stone. More like there's a lot of divorce going on. And it don't look right. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Um, here, I just posted a, um, I just posted an article in the chat um, about what Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy 24. Um, so you were pretty close, Marquise. Um, but uh, but still wrong. I want a divorce. Right. I mean, Nate and I are on on track for a divorce. Um, Maybe. No, um, if, if, well, if I can't establish, it's not the, possible to say that, Nate. It's, uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it depends on it depends on where I land on the the peeing yourself thing. So, anyway, um, so yeah, so that that's a really good article on it. And and no, you're right that the the scribes and Pharisees um, and the Sadducees did not agree, especially in Jesus's day about this. Um, we don't see a lot of disagreement in other parts of the Old Testament, but definitely because of how the law had grown up and how the oral Torah had grown up through the exile, we see a lot of disagreement. You're definitely correct about that. But Jesus definitely establishes the correct interpretation of the law. And because Jesus is the lawgiver, um, I would imagine that his interpretation is going to be the final one. I found one thing about Jesus and divorce that's sort of interesting. What's that? Do you want to share with the class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. So, um, for the New Testament, there was about 5,000 Greek manuscripts that they used to make it, or a little over that. And I think the scholars divided between minority and majority texts. And out of the thousands of copies of the Book of Matthew, there's only one 15th century copy that actually gives an excuse for your marriage after divorce. And that's in Matthew 19.9, I believe, and the other one 
I didn't catch 100% of that. Well, well, we're waiting for he, him. He said Matthew 19 and 9, and then it sounded like he was going to pull up the other um, reference to yeah, Matthew. Yeah, Matthew. In Matthew. Right, um, so in I Matthew 19.9, it just reads, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. But he said to him, he said to them, Not all men can accept this sentiment or this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Stop saying eunuchs! Ah. Yeah. He who... That gets you right there, doesn't it? Um, he who is <laughs> able to accept this, let him accept it. And so, yeah, this is this is a really interesting passage, um, like super interesting. But yeah, we can keep going through it. I'll just stick to uh, working it out with my wife. I'll be yeah, Unix. So like <laughs> so I will also add one. I will also add one. I will also add one little detail that, like y'all said, um, you see how the scribes and the Pharisees couldn't agree. I mean, um, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees couldn't agree. I don't think wholeheartedly, one hundred percent that Jesus will be agreeing with the Pharisees in regards to remarriage after divorce. Because we know the scribes and the Pharisees that was around that time, such as Shammai, Hillel, and a little later on, Akiva. And if that statement is true, that means Jesus Christ agreed with one of them, or two of them, to be exact, or three. And I don't think he did. That's why I brought up that 15th century copy. That seems to be in every Bible except the Byzantine one. Right. So when we're talking about textual criticism, so the Byzantium um, texts um, are, you know, they're they're one uh, layer of texts. Um, we have the Sinaiticus. We have Vaticanus. There's all kinds of earlier manuscripts um, that would have this. And so when we use a modern translation something like esv which is very good or lsb which is really really good um lsb is the one i prefer that's what i just read out of um, all of that textual criticism is taken into account and they would never make um the text um from a single 16th century manuscript that just pardon me, that disagrees with all the rest of the manuscripts, they would never make that the priority text. Then would, just you, be able, then would you be able to show me uh, uh, a manuscript before the 15th century that has that actual statement? Sure. I would like to see that. I mean, I don't read Greek, and I don't I don't know if you do or not, but... Uh, it's not there. I, I, I would just say, I would just say that... Textual criticism would disagree with that statement. So the, the the idea in the king of King James onlyists is that textual criticism is is invalid. Um, there's a really good book that you can pick up called the King James Only Controversy by Dr. James White, and I would highly recommend checking out that book. 
Um, and as a matter of fact, you can get it from the library or if you back channel me and you don't have the 20 bucks for the book, I'll send you 20 bucks. I got to own $40,000. Um, can I ask something real quick? I got a $40,000 library and I'm a linguist. Oh, okay. Well, then I would add that book to your collection. I've got 50 cents on my coffee mug. So when you are, when, whenever you get a chance, I would, would love to see that before the 15th century, a manuscript or even a copy that gives, that shows that. Yeah, that would be the majority of texts. I mean, if, if you're you'll saying... you show me at least one of them, right? Sure, go to go to Sinaiticus. You can, it's, it's online. Not okay, as, so... Not as, um, a, um, one before the 15th century. Okay, but, but so if I tell you to text. go to Sinaiticus... Right. Are you familiar with the website to go read Sinaiticus? It's right there. It's the actual photographs of the manuscripts. Like codexsinaiticus.org? Yeah. Yep. It is there. That is exactly what it says. Let's see. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I don't have a way of, like, beaming a visual to your house. <laughs> like, I mean... You should work I, on that. I guess I should. I could post a link if you would from have Codex. Made yourself, if you would have made yourself a eunuch, you would have had time to figure this stuff out, Chris. I will also add that um, the person that made that copy, his name was, I believe, Theodorus Erasmus, a Catholic priest. And most Christian theologians are aware of him and what he did. Yes, I, I'm well aware of Erasmus, and Erasmus is the one who made the manuscripts that the King James is built, built off of. He, he he actually did the printed Greek copies that they that the King James translators used. So Erasmus was the one who was the progenitor of a lot of the Greek manuscripts that were used by the translators of the King James. And that's what I'm saying. Right now, every single Bible is based off that text right there for Matthews 19.9 and the other one in Matthews. And the only Bible that doesn't have isn't based off that text is the Byzantine text. I'm not saying that the Byzantine text is perfect. No, I'm not saying no scripture is perfect. I'm just saying if Jesus Christ is the Word of God, then He is without blemish, and that book has blemish. Well, but okay. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the Byzantine text is also called the majority text, and that is what Erasmus used to produce his Greek New Testament. Okay, so like he only had copies of that. They didn't even have the Alexandrians, and they certainly didn't have Vaticanus or Sinaiticus. Like those didn't even, I mean, they existed, but they weren't found. Like no one had those. And so Erasmus also had a very hard time getting Greek manuscripts to create his Greek New Testament printed copy. In fact, he had to back translate his copy of Revelation from the Latin back into Greek. And he knew it was trash and he actually said it was trash and he wanted it fixed. And so somebody else had published a Greek um, revelation and and Erasmus asked in the second printing or, or maybe the third printing of his Greek New Testament to have the other guys, it was like a pair of brothers, to have their copy of Revelation inserted. And what he didn't know is that they were using his because no one had any manuscripts in Greek of Revelation in that uh, 
area of Germany that they were working in. Um, those those manuscripts were thousands of miles away. I also would like to point out um, maybe a, an unfair or maybe um, slightly um, non-appropriate, what's the word, uh, qualifier that we're putting on um, the text, the Matthew 9 text. If we're trying to assert that it's not authoritative or it's somehow flawed because it presents the possibility that Jesus potentially agreed with one of the prevailing um, notions of the notable Pharisees or Sadducees at the time. I don't necessarily think that that follows as a reason to indict what the scripture says, because one of these other guys might agree with it. It's possible that they got, you know, this perspective or principle right. And so then Jesus is revealing a truth which confirms that what they said was somehow accurate. I don't think that's um, terrible. Yeah, Jesus definitely corrected the Pharisees. He was definitely in opposition to their affluent. Uh, and for some, to uh, in no small part, their interpretation of the law, that's not to say that every Pharisaic interpretation of the law is wrong. Um, I think that's an absolute that we have to read into the text to then pit Jesus against every aspect of every interpretation of every Pharisee and Sadducee. And that's not fair. And that's not something we can deduce from the text. Namely, one of the, um, when Jesus asked a question as a, a prime example to disprove that qualifier or requisite. Totally one example agreed. is when, yeah. One example is when Jesus says, thanks Nate. Um, it's always nice to have a great, um, <laughs> Uh, one, one, one example uh, is going to be when Jesus asks, what's the greatest commandment? Um, um, or actually, no, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? Like all 613. And Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, my mind, soul, and strength. The second is like unto it. And the Pharisee responds, you have spoken well, for to love God is the whole duty of man. So the Pharisee agrees with Jesus there. Jesus doesn't have a problem with it. Um, and we would dare not say, as a matter of fact, a lot of people would assert, oh, yeah, Jesus basically sums up the entire law in those two commandments. The first four from the Decalogue and then the last six in the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the Pharisees, or at least at the very least, that Pharisee who asked Jesus that question agrees with him. But that doesn't call into question the authenticity of that particular rendering of the text because Jesus is agreeing with the Pharisee. Yeah, it's like a broken clock's right twice a day. Or if Jesus said, "How? give me a recipe for unleavened bread, and the Pharisee did it, he'd be like, you have done well. It's like, I mean, you know, it's not like they have to disagree 100% of the time. Yeah, so I just posted in the chat the actual uh, Sinaiticus. So you can, I mean, again, I don't read Greek, so it's not super useful to me, but, um, you know, there is the manuscript. I do, so I'm going to go look. That's going to be good practice. Thanks, Chris. So, Chris, yeah. are you saying that your claim has been substantiated in a visual form now? So, like, what you say was there that he wanted proof for you have now offered proof because it is there. Is that what you're saying? So, so when I look in my interlinear at the, and compare the two texts, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. So there's a, I mean, you have done well it's right there. 
uh, you know, I mean, so it, it matches my interlinear for the LSB, which is based on the Nessie Allen uh, 28. So Nessie Allen, so if you're really, really, really interested in textual criticism, you can pick up Nessie Allen. Um, that is a printed Greek New Testament. And it literally has notes for every single textual variant, all 1,500 of the ones that matter, as well as the 450,000 textual variants that are found in all manuscripts across the entire manuscript line. So, Jacob, after about 30 minutes of this, it seems like you have got your answer that you were looking for. And it's kind of fun because I was literally just watching a video laying out um, textual criticism and how it works and all that fun stuff. So it was pretty cool. So great question. And I actually just had a conversation. It was like a, a 50 comment, maybe 60 comment exchange on TikTok, a TikTok video I did um, with a Muslim gentleman who was, of course, arguing that, you know, all the many translations variations of the Bible speak to the fact that it's not like authoritative, it's not perfect, it's not preserved, and so it's not the inspired word of God. And so, of course, after ironically um, referring to that part of the Quran that says that the Bible, um, which had already been canonized by that time, um, was a previous revelation of Allah and the words of Allah can't be corrupted, I would think that's ironic. Um, then I say, well, either your Quran is wrong or the Bible's perfect because it says the Bible is a previous revelation of Allah. So there you go. And it can't be corrupted or else Allah's words can be corrupted, which means your Quran is also flawed. But in addition to that, I was parsing with this gentleman um, the nuances of textual criticism and textual variance and that textual variance are not there's a separation between corruption or like this sort of imposed, like intentional change, this intentional, like nefarious, it's always like a nefarious sort of conspiratorial, like I'm altering the text to say what I want to say um, type situation. And the textual variants where because these things are hand copied, somebody might, you know, goof an accent or goof a vowel, which or, you know, goof an article, which doesn't really change the meaning, even if it might sort of nuance the grammatical structure or turn a, um, you know, some article is an A into a the, but it doesn't change the overall principle meaning or, or interpretation or understanding of the text. And to show that there's not conspiracy and intentionality in these variations or um, these different textual decisions that translators make, every single, not every, but I won't, I won't use absolutes, um, just philosophically, but just about the vast majority of them are noted and tracked for why they exist and who made them and how those were either corrected or accounted for at the very least marked. So there is such accountability and such integrity, even in the textual variants that you'll see from manuscript to manuscript, um, even amongst the ones that don't cause or create any interpretive differences in the grammatical or syntactical structure. I think that speaks more to the preservation of scripture than to any degradation or de-evolution of it. And with that, and, uh, let's see real quick, Tasha, I'm trying to invite you. Um, 
Chris. Um, the sky may fall, but can can you try inviting Tasha up? Um, and also, um, it's a shame that guy Jacob has left. Like, uh, it seems like you you gave him proof of what he was looking for, and instead of acknowledging it, be like, "Why, well, golly gee, Chris, thank you. That is proof. I guess my opinion has changed." He just kind of peaced out. Um, so. Makes me wonder about the intent, but that that's sad. So I'll give you props. Attaboy, Chris. Good job, he's buddy. The, he's the one with the $40,000 library. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's that's like the when people with like 100. That, 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 you can get them for $1.25 with the late late fees in the library. <laughs> little Goodwill hunting. That I mean, that's kind of like the guy with a $100,000 Corvette that sits in the garage and never drives it. Um, or... If he has a $40,000 library, you know, $40,000 plus 20 more could have gotten that book you were talking about, and that would have solved it. So um, let's see. All these biblical res uh, references about um, – oh, what's the other one I was thinking of? Uh, basically, you're like 90% of the way there. Just can't make it, right? Or the gap between heaven and hell, no matter how close to perfect you are, if you're trying to bridge that gap to heaven without Jesus, if you're one foot away, you still fall short. Anyway, I'm done. What's up, Tasha? Chris, what was that um, the book that you're referencing that is the Greek that has all the variants in it? It's called the Nessie Allen, N-E-S-S-Y-A-L-L-E-N. Those are just two scholars, and it's been a it's been a printed Greek New Testament that's Sorry, um, it's a printed Greek New Testament that's usually the source for students learning, um, or I'm sorry, not for students, for, for scholars um, translating, doing direct translations of the Greek New Testament. It's the printed one that they use because it has all of the notes and it has all of the variants. So you can, as a translator, you can make an educated choice. Um, and so it's it's kind of the gold standard. So like my pastor that when he when he preaches from a passage, he doesn't use an English New Testament. He uses the Nessie Allen and he translates it himself. What well, one of my pastors, not my head pastor. This is a, a one of the pastors. Taxing work. Yeah. So he's just, he's, that is how he, that's how he rolls. He was, he was pursuing a PhD in economics, um, which is pretty math heavy. Um, and then decided to go to seminary. He's, he's kind of a baller. Dude is he 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 reads his Bible in Greek so he doesn't get out of practice. Yep, that's glorious. That is phenomenal. So our pastor um, grew up in England and then went to Bible school in Greek uh, Greece, where he actually met his wife, and now they're here stateside, and he carries around his Greek. Um, Bible all the time and reads from it and so whenever I have questions I'm like hey what what does this actually say in the Greek <laughs> it, it kind of drives him crazy because I ask that question a lot Chris you need to pick up Greek man you got all the church history down I'm like if somebody has a church history question even if I know the answer I'm going to throw Chris out because guaranteed he's going to name drop some author I've never heard of um, or he's going to have some like fancy like link that has all the like 
you know, prints, not prints, uh, but the copies or virtual digital copies of the like original documents pinned by the Apostle John or some craziness <laughs> like that, you know, and he's going to be like, hey, yeah, here's this free resource that, you know, people are paying $10,000 for in their, you know, $40,000 libraries. Yeah, well, my pastor can beat up your pastor. <laughs> Remember that? It's like the honor, my child's an honor roll student. Like, my kid can beat up your honor roll student. Oh, 100%. Man. But then again, your pastor's all about the lady pastors, so I've got some <laughs> questions. So. Oh, my gosh. I was about to say, welcome, Sean, but as you threw that out, Steph appears as a if wild a coven, Steph has as appeared. If, <laughs> as if a, a coven of witches has spoofed her here through magic at that moment. It could not have been better. The heck are you guys talking about? So we were talking about the article about uh, birth control pills making women more womanly. (sighs) No, I'm just kidding. We weren't talking about that again, but we could. He just invoked Lady Pastors and you showed up. (laughs) Wow. I mean, like to the second. I was making fun of Nate's pastor and and I used that as a cudgel uh, against the Nate's pastor and uh, and you happened to pop on at that moment. It's pretty pretty awesome. <laughs> it was it was as the kids say it was based. I don't know if they oh. say that anymore though. I think that's like out of vogue now. That's so six months ago. So twenty twenty three and a half. I also think Vogue is out of vogue now. For the record. Dang it. You know what's really funny is like the college kids, you know, like Tyler and and uh, Anson and all those guys. Like I'll get into a room with them, and just like very subtly, I'll start slinging some Gen Z lingo, and you can hear the groans. It's like it's so great, and I just do it like to be as as they would say as cringe as possible. And they're just like, oh my gosh, you gotta stop doing that. And I'm like, no, it's hilarious. And they're like, it's not as funny as you think. And I'm like, it's causing you guys to react this way, so it's really funny to me. It's like the it's greatest exactly as funny as you think. Exactly. So like my greatest pleasure is like, you know, embarrassing my 13 year old. And why wouldn't I embarrass my 19 year old friends in the same way? Yeah, pretty fly for a generation Why? <laughs> oh my god and that's a movie reference too double wow. points sean double points and also that uh i can't remember the name of the band it was a uh, pretty fly for a white guy offspring that song offspring yeah, yeah, there you yeah, go yeah. You know, that's a band i did not appreciate until much later in life like i liked a couple of their songs growing up but i never really listened to their other stuff and then like probably like in the last decade, I'm like, wow, who is that? I'm like, it sounds familiar. I'm like, that's Offspring. I'm like, man, they had so many good songs, and I did not realize it at the time. Hmm. Now Nate we did. We got like cereal and oatmeal and pop tarts. Your taste buds change over time. Hmm. Right, now we got to stop talking about music because the only two bands that Steph knows about is Train and Evanescence. So like, just, wasn't it like just Rush that... or something like she likes or Primus or some weird <laughs> I nonsense? Love Rush. I picked Steph as a Green Day fan. Give me some Earth, Wind, and Fire, some Rolling Stones. I ain't talking about that. Some Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> Make my funk to be funk. Awesome. No, yeah, I picked Steph as like a Green Day fan. 
Yeah, I think Steph has had purple hair at some point. I like exactly like nope. three Green Day songs. I cannot stand the singer. <laughs> What's his name? Billy or something? Like Billy Joe Armstrong or something stupid yeah. like that. Steph, what about DC Talk from the 90s, early 2000s? Oh my God, Steph! Do you know who DC Talk is? Elementary school. Yeah, I know DC Talk. I was a little young for them, but no, I was more the (laughs) the Reliant K Switchfoot generation. That was like Reliant K. Steph, Steph, we're the same age. What are you saying to me right now? Well, what do you think about behind the times? Whoa! whoa, whoa. What do you think about Switchfoot? That that might be an assumption, Steph. Bible question. Wait, 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 wait! If you did. Like DC Talk, you were like into Newsboys and all that. That just wasn't my thing. I like Newsboys. All right. Yeah, they're fine. Well, yeah. well Newsboys is what, from what, like the last decade? When what? the toast is burned. Newsboys is older than DC Talk. Is it? Uh, yes. Uh, maybe hey, I'm just thinking about the fact that the one of the guys from DC Talk is now in Newsboys. Maybe that's why I yeah. don't like one thing yeah. after the other. Newsboys no, my favorite forever. Christian bands were Reliant K. I loved Barlow Girl and then Jars of Clay. Jars of Clay to this day is still one of my favorites. I really like Jars of Clay. I also like, man, I, I think my favorite uh, Christian band, uh, why can I, Thousand Foot Crutch. Like they are, uh, that's oh, another yeah. one. I, yeah. I always liked a couple songs, but it's like the Offspring. I didn't know like hardly any of their, their like other songs. And when I discovered them, like, oh my gosh, like all kinds of stuff these guys do is awesome. So Steph, um, what do you think about you know the Switchfoot dude? Since apparently you think they're better than Skillet, um, at least theologically, I guess Skillet wins, right? Like, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, now you have a question about how much you can go back and enjoy their music, knowing that they were not, you know, not going to persevere. It just sucks. That's why I stay out of uh, the Christian news because it'll ruin everything. <laughs> I decided that when I heard Bob the Tomato talking about trans kids, that's when I decided I was never going to follow Christian celebrities again. Bob the Tomato talked about trans kids? Yeah, you were there for that. Phil Vischer went woke, but he's also the voice. I, I remember someone. I, I remember. I remember that conversation. I, I didn't remember someone saying that the tomato actually started like having a trans kids. No, no, no. Just his, if you close your eyes. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Bob the Tomato like, is now trans. Nate, <laughs> Nate, Chris, I got one question for you. Do you love rap music? I'll let you answer that. What do you think? <laughs> DC Talk had a song. That was one of their first hits. Yeah. I well, I mean, can I? <laughs> well, I mean, can I? Can I like a rap song without loving rap music? I would say yes. I mean, if someone puts on some Sir Mix-a-Lot, <laughs> I can appreciate Sir Mix-a-Lot, but that does not oh, mean I have to enjoy yeah. rap music. Is it because you enjoy what Sir Mix-a-Lot sings about, or is it because you just enjoy Sir Mix-a-Lot? Dude, I like Sir Mix-a-Lot. Like, Testarossa, the whole thing, he's talking about a Ferrari. So, I mean, you know, it's not the song that you're thinking about. Um, I mean, he's I mean, famous for pretty much one song. I know, oh, but I just threw yep. out another song. But but I mean no I'm I like uh, squared ass rap by him but, that was a beat. but yeah so I mean I, I I appreciate the guys sound like like a lot of the the older stuff like you know 80s and 90s like um what was it called like like new new Jack or new something or like uh, Joe Q Public yeah like like Joe 
John, John Q. Public or whatever it was, uh, Joe Public. Um, like, I like, I, I mean, I, I kind of enjoy some of that stuff. Um, but like, especially like the, the newer stuff in like the late nineties and whatever, like, I mean, no, no, it's just, that's like the hardest genre for me to, uh, to like, but I still like, do like some stuff in it. Hey, Nate, I think I know a rapper that you'd probably like. Name is Da Truth, D-A, and then Truth. He's got a song called um, Da Vinci Portrait, and it's actually legit. It's like, I think you would like, I think you'd appreciate the lyrical genius. Yeah. Da Vinci barely did portraits. I already find it offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from an art history standpoint, I'm already irritated. Yeah. Um, so, oh, so you remember Super Chick? Yes. <laughs> Super Chick was the jam. I love Super Chick. I forgot about that. Yeah. I remember a bit, the Benjamin Gate and Plum and all of them, like at least one of them is like, what, isn't the Plum person like a lesbian now or something? But I remember like the Benjamin Gate, um, Fly, Flyleaf? Was that one? Flyleaf? What? No, I don't remember that at all. I'm naming all these like, you know, artsy Christian alternative bands from like the 90s no i you know don't know these stuff i know you may call it classic christian rock <laughs> like striper <laughs> striper striper was always terrible or uh, uh petra man I, petra that was just was a terrible. little that was just a little too much um i mean disciple i i i don't know i i kind of liked like a couple of their songs like every every couple albums i would like a couple of their songs but they got better as they got older like what I like more of what yeah. was that? Firefly. 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 Unbreakable yeah, was like just like my jam. Remember Oh, uh Pillar, um what was it? Fireproof by Pillar. That song was great. Okay, so here's here's some here's some deep Christian music knowledge here. Okay, so do you guys know who Michael Knott is? Anybody? Mm mm. Not complete blank. And I'm a musician. Steph? I got nothing. <clears throat> So this is one of those this is one of those very little known Christian artists that had a huge impact on the Christian music scene and almost no one knows who he is. And so there was just a retrospective of a bunch of current Christian artists that they did they redid a bunch of Michael Knott songs um as a tribute to the influence that he had on the industry and his influence on the Christian music industry was writing real lyrics about real life. Um, and a lot of his albums were banned from Christian music stores. Um, and he is my favorite Christian artist. He has, I of think, of course he is. He has, I think almost 30 albums. And so, um, and some of them are really good. Some of them are concept albums. Like he does, he did this concept album, Concept album just means that it tells a story through the entire album. So he has an album called Crash, and it's about a girl who's kind of crazy. So there you go, Steph. And she steals her boyfriend's prize Cadillac, and then she gets she gets hit by a train in it. And the album occurs between the time where she gets hit by the train, she crashes the Cadillac, and she dies and it is amazing it is like really good and so there's it's an entire dialogue about the last 5 minutes of this girl's life 
and what she does with Jesus. It's amazing. It is, it's, it's considered one of the greatest Christian albums ever done, and no one has ever heard it. Is it on YouTube? Question one. Is it on YouTube? Question two. Link it in the chat. All right. It is on YouTube. You can see, you can listen to the entire thing. I played it for my son and he was amazed. Like he hates Michael Knott's voice. And one of the problems is that he's not a great <laughs> singer. He's a singer songwriter. And so as a musician, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I can't even deal with this guy. But cause my son has a hard time with Michael Knott, but his lyrics are amazing. And so, um, he also battled, battled, uh, alcoholism. And he would write about his struggle with alcoholism in his Christian albums. And that really freaked people out. And so he's got a really famous, well, famous to me, song called Double, where basically the story of the song, again, he's a singer-songwriter, is the stories are great, where he is out at a bar shooting pool and has a few too many drinks. And then he has to wake up on Sunday morning and get his family to church and it's just it's such a raw amazing song that uh yeah i mean so there's a whole generation of christian artists that have grown up on michael knott and say that he is the greatest influence for their music hmm. wow i've been i've been taught some stuff that's great i'm gonna look the guy up i uh check my spelling in the chat i want to make sure i got his my uh, name right um, you said not. I'm thinking K N O T T, and then of course it autocorrected. But um, also, yep. it is Mike. Yeah, Mike Not, Michael Not. Also, Lifesavers Underground was one of his bands. Um, another band was Chagall Guevara, um, which Steph should like that. Um, and then, uh, I mean, he had a bunch of bands that he was in, and uh, he is also a painter. And so my wife and I have commissioned a painting from him. Um, and so it should be arriving before Christmas, um, you know, sent him some money and we'll see if he paints it. But so I commissioned a painting in his style of, um, of my wife with cats. So it'll be really interesting because one of his other very famous songs, he, he had an entire album that was a huge deal um, called uh, Rocket and a Bomb. And it is about his life living in a slum apartment in Hollywood during the 80s. And so he had a roommate and there was like all these weird people around him. Um, and there was this lady named Kitty in the apartment building that whenever she was cooking, she wouldn't let um, Mike and his roommate in. Um, and her husband had disappeared one day. And so the song is about like, is Kitty cooking up her husband? Like, cause it smells horrendous. And so there's like a whole, the whole song is about like, you know, this crazy old lady, like, is she really cooking her husband? What is this? What is this smell? And, um, yeah, it's, it's a very funny song. Um, and it's the, the name of the song is Kitty Courtesy. And it's one of my wife's favorite songs. And, and this is supposed to be from a Christian album or Christian band? It is a, or... Yeah, it's a Christian album. I mean, like he, and he's like, he's telling just stories of these people that he met in this apartment complex um, while he was trying to spin up his record label in the eighties. Um, and it's like John Barrymore jr. Who um, was claiming to be the son of the great actor, John Barrymore that was in uh, it's a wonderful life. Um, and nobody believed him that he was like 
this this guy, John Barrymore Jr., until Drew Barrymore shows up to their apartment complex one day, and they're like, is that Drew Barrymore? And they're like, oh my gosh, and she was visiting her grandfather. So, like, he was, it was true. Wow. And so, like, just weird Hollywood stuff, um, you know, living in a slum apartment, and uh, there's a so John Barrymore Jr., the song about him is that he had 16 cats and a dog that drank beer out of a bowl. So he would crack open a beer and all the cats and the dog would come and drink beer out of the bowl. So it's just, it's such a, it's a really good album. And, um, you know, and it's, it's just telling stories. Like uh, there's another story about uh, Bubbles, who was a alcoholic that uh, wanted to go to rehab. And so Mike was going to pick him up and take him to rehab. And there's a whole story about that guy. So it's a, it's a really it's a really amazing album. I probably just spent about, more time in theology books, Chris. What about <laughs> Carmen? I was gonna say <laughs> I remember uh, Carmen. The, yeah, the last musical reference. What about Carmen? How do you how do you feel about Carmen and his and his music with their uh, theatrical adaptations? I, it, I mean, I don't really have a lot of knowledge on that. I had a couple albums when I was a kid. I don't really know about the theatrical adaptations. You've never seen the music videos. I guess not. Can you, what? Just paraphrase. I don't want to see him now either. What okay. was it? Was it but over the top you, or it's, was it's he dressed so like Jesus or something? I'll be, well, there's probably one at least where he was, but like, so if you think about like who's in the house, comma, JC, there's a, there's a music video for that. That's uh-huh. pretty fantastical. Um, and then all the ones where he's like having like whatever conversation with the devil, those ones are good too. So like there's the one. Oh, that, the what was the name room. of that song? Or Oh, I, I remember something about that very, very vaguely in like the right. recesses of my mind. It's like two. There's there's one where it's like courtroom. I think it's called the courtroom, and then the other one is called revival, and it's like a conversation between like the devil and like one of his assistants, and he's talking about like Christians who are about to have like a revival in their city and and all that stuff. So it's like it's like a precursor of like lines and like sort of this. Okay. dialogue of exchange it's 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 funny it's it's nostalgic at the very least all right i think that's enough music trivia for today yeah so um i'm posting in the chat a link to rocket and a bomb on um on youtube which was kind of his um kind of his most influential album and then um i'm also gonna i'll post um that crash album it's actually by LSU, which was Lifesavers Underground, which is the band that he founded in the 80s. So, welcome, Pastor Mark. Do we have another topic, question, comment? Oh, hey, Joanna. Good morning. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to ask, Does anyone um, has anyone heard of gematria? It's like the numerology system in, the, in Hebrew. No. Okay. Um, yes, I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think it's like um, okay to learn about that as a Christian? No, I think it's satanic. You do? Same. Agreed. Yep. Oh, boy. Thank you. It's going to follow a lot of astrological um, 
uh, uh, formats with like a semi-Christian or semi-biblical twang to it. There are a lot of variations of numerological approaches to like interpreting scripture. Um, and all of them, they focus so much on the numerology, on the subjective experience, on it ends up being mysticism. Um, one of the people we were talking about, I think last week, uh, Carlton Pearson, uh, you remember that, Nate, uh, he's like preaching universalism. And so like you can get to God through virtually any way. And one of the things he pushes is uh, astrotheology, which focuses on numerology in scripture. So like, you know, if you need like a little more grace, five is the number of grace. So go to like every book of the Bible and like find chapter five, verse five. Oh, and it's going to be like some kind of some kind of special revelation from God talking to you. Or if you're, if you uh, wake up at three thirty three in the morning, then go look at the third book in the new Testament, the third chapter, the 33rd verse and boom, it's going to be what God is trying to tell you at three thirty three. It's like weird, abstract, no logic, no rationale. It's not depending on the Holy spirit for interpretation. It's depending on the number system. And that's the problem. It's divination is what it is. Is that kind of like the Hebraic version of like the our Enneagram or some something like that? Not far from it. Not far from it at all. Uh, so, I mean, um, Jewish people have been doing it for centuries. And um, all right, then. Thank you. I won't do it then. Chris, are you burning books as we speak? So that's the consensus, big fat no. Yeah, that's a big fat no. Oh, it's a bunch boy. of nonsense. Steph, um, you got anything? I don't think Steph that's is responding. Real. I just got out of the show. Uh, <laughs> She's no, burning books. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. I mean, I've heard about that, those number systems. I didn't know what it was called, uh, but I have always been told to avoid that as well. A newer one is called Angel Number. Uh, I, and it's also I just like scared. like. And it's also just like, well, why? What's the what would what would the point be? Like, what can you get from some other system besides praying to Jesus as our advocate, right? And it's like, you know, you, you pray because you know we're told that that's how to communicate through God, but it's not like we're telling God something He doesn't already know. So it's like, you know, the Bible says God already knows what we need. So you know, uh, why why then? Like, if we have a God who already knows what we need, yet we still pray to that God just to communicate to that God. Um, why would we use another system? Um, like, you know, if we, if we want, like, I don't know, more peace in our job, why would we look at numbers or why would we look at stars or like any of that or dear Abby, like, you know, pray to God for peace, communicate through God, read the scriptures, like get peace from God. Um, so at best, yeah, evil or, or at worst, uh, at best unnecessary at worst satanic. So just, just why, um, and Nate, the motivation is ultimately what any form of witchcraft is attempting to do. It's control. So, yeah, I could pray for peace. But then instead of God giving me like this warm, fuzzy, tranquil feeling, he might just like direct me to some scripture which says to be instant in, in everything or trust in him, you know, or something like that. Like that makes me have to change versus, hey, if I do this thing, I can create for myself this 
um, predictable outcome. I can control, you know, what I'm looking for and what I find. It's the control piece of it. Someone said uh, it was like uh, Kabbalah. Is that different or is that like getting into Kabbalah or is that Kabbalah adjacent? Kabbalah adjacent. It's just Kabbalah is Jewish mysticism. Um, and the numerology is just part of that. So, um, you know, that it's not the same thing, but it is part and parcel of mysticism. So anytime we see any kind of mysticism, we should be very, very careful. Um, so anyway, so I posted, um, Fluid, which is the name of that concept album, and Rocket and a Bomb in the uh, chat. His other famous uh, album was called Strip Cycle. And uh, Nate, you'd appreciate this. He has a song in there called Bad Check about his financial troubles. And he's like, <laughs> I wrote a bad check to the government. I wrote a bad check to my parents. I wrote a bad check to this cello player. She doesn't know it because we're singing it later. And then you hear the cello come into the song. It's very That's funny. Great. He has another song about getting arrested for driving on a suspended license. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's called uh, Am I Winning Something? Wow. So, yeah, that album, that Strip Cycle album is funny and tragic and real. And it's pretty great. He has, a, oh, and you'd appreciate this. He has a song that he sings. Do you know who Gene Eugene is? No. So Gene Eugene is another one of these. It was a huge influence on a whole generation of um, Christian rock people. And uh, he had a few bands, but Gene Eugene is, is a really, he was a cool guy. He died, but um, he, does a, he does an acoustic song with him at the Cornerstone Festival called uh, Donut Store Policeman. And uh, it's really funny. Um, and, uh, Michael Knott's big live album is called live in Nash Vegas, um, which is like a, a live show in Nashville and it's, uh, it's really well done. Um, but he also, you know, he did, you know, he's got a really moving song called this is the healing. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple others, um, his, his he has a song called grace as well, which is excellent. Um, and he wrote a couple of praise songs, which are excellent because they're just scripture based. Um, he, he lays some music to them and they're really good. Remember Ray Bolt? Was he the guy that turned gay or is that someone else? Was it Ray Bolt that's gay now? Oh, I don't know. I hadn't heard. What's the big Christian what? band where they're like all gay affirming now? Which one is that? Switchfoot? Well, is I it mean, Switchfoot? there's probably a few, probably a few of them. Like Switchfoot's the one we were talking about yesterday. Where like okay. we were talking about like the guys like the church is hurting your feelings. Oh, the church has been bad. Like the church has hurt you in so many ways by calling your sin sin. Uh, it's in sync. That's the that's the band he's talking about. In sync. Yeah, that was never a Christian <laughs> band. But um, were we done talking about music? Do we have nothing else to talk about? Well, um, do you guys know who uh, Burke Parsons is? You're just setting me up for failure at this point. I know. I, uh, anyway, so Burke Parsons uh, is a pastor, um, and he is the pastor of St. Andrew's Chapel here in my town, and he was a member of the Backstreet Boys before they got famous. <laughs> and, and they so, told him bye, bye, bye. 
No, he, they called him like Lou Pearlman called him. There's, you can go to Ligonier and listen to his testimony. He like lays the whole thing out. Cause he's a, he's a Ligonier fellow. Um, and, uh, he lays the whole thing out where he was going to seminary and, you know, Lou Pearlman called him and was like, Hey, we're going to do this album and whatever the breakthrough album for Backstreet Boys was. And they wanted him to, to, you know, come back to the band to do this, you know, whatever the fame, I don't know the famous album for Backstreet Boys, whatever their famous first famous album was. And he was like, no, I'm going to seminary. I'm not going to do the album. And he turned them down. Well, that's admirable. And now he's one of those reformed pastors. Miss Catherine just did a quick flyby out before I could say hi. See, if you ask my son, I have the worst taste in music ever. <laughs> but uh, there's also a band, um, an old Christian band called the Swirling Eddies, which they're really funny as well. <clears throat> I think the the theme in my taste of music is is it humorous and funny and clever? Then I like it. You remind me of a friend I have who increasingly got more and more eccentric and just weird over the years. Um, but I'm sure you're fine. Um, but, but yeah, it sounds like he he like how you just described it is the type of stuff he also liked. Um, like, have you ever heard of Doctor Demento's? Uh, like, like songs. Of course. Yeah, he loves that. There's a song on this album called Dead Puppies. You familiar with that? Dead one? puppies aren't very much fun. <laughs> they don't chase the rubber ball. They don't come when you call. Dead puppies aren't much fun. <laughs> so, yeah, so you remind me of that friend. And he also uh, loved, like, the, you know, Weird Owl. Um, yeah, Are my son Weird loves Al Weird Al. Yeah, I like Weird Al. Is he still making music? Oh, yeah. Hey, did, you saw UHF, right? We were trying to talk Steph into watching that, and she wouldn't pay like $4 to watch it. Remember that, UHF? That was an amazing, oh, yeah. amazing. movie. I, that's my son's favorite movie is UHF. I'm not even kidding. He just was watching it. He figured out uh, <laughs> FaceTime sharing for for movies, and so he had a bunch of his friends from school online. And they watched UHF together. How did they watch it? Did they stream it from somewhere or? Yeah. So if you're on a Mac, FaceTime has an ability to, to stream your screen. And so my son just put his screen on. With oh, UHF. so he, he owns, he owns it somehow. Like he owns the file, right? So like he yeah he yeah we, computer yeah we own loaded the the rip of it the totally hundred percent legal rip. I mean never never mind. I mean you know 
Is Chris setting his computer on fire now? Just kidding, no judgment. Now I'm back in the car. So uh, if a letter came home from your children's school that said one of the staff members was found to be in possession of no. pornography involving underage, you know, children, oh. uh, but then it didn't identify what this person did and it said the school was handling it, what would you do? Was this like a, a staff member that has no contact with your kids or was it like yes, they were teaching the someone? Yeah. No, no, it says so it been like no, yeah. What? Yeah, the first one, it says that the the letter said that the person has no contact with the children. I mean, I would say, I mean, since it's just another person, I'd be like, okay, well, my kid doesn't seem to be in immediate danger. On the other hand, just use this as one more reason to yank them all out and homeschool them immediately and move to Florida. I know, I'm kind of done with this. Just just, just do it. This Florida. Is, how many signs do you need? All the signs that you ever needed, you have. And you know what's terrible? We are, like, in the most conservative school district in my county. And all of this. <laughs> Which is, like, Sodom light. Yeah. Remember that time that my sister-in-law was letting children draw LGBTQ and rainbow on her inner thigh? And, and uh, she got... So the follow-up to that was that she got an award for excellence at the, at the school. <laughs> I thought for sure someone was going to sue her, but they said she was so brave. In Florida, in Florida, she'd be fired. Uh, yeah. Yep. And perhaps prosecuted. Yeah, this is because we live in a sane state. <sighs> I gotta get out of here. I'm just saying. I know that you guys lived in a van down by the river while your house was getting redone while you were redoing your house, but it's not worth it, man. Please. That's the thing. We have blood, sweat, and tears into this house. Oh, did I tell you that we had to have all this lead testing done and our soil came back radioactive? I seriously get need out. to get out of here. <laughs> it's like... It's, I it's mean, like was that, it like it's rain like on? A, it's like that joke, right, of like the guy that's like drowning and he's like, uh, you know, someone comes by in a boat. He's like, no, I don't need that. I'm praying to God. God's going to save me. Then a guy comes back in like a helicopter. He's like, come on here, grab the ladder. He's like, no, no, I'm praying for God to save me. And he ends up drowning, gets to heaven. He's like, God, why didn't you save me? He's like, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. Like, why, why didn't you do it? He's like, oh. Yes, <laughs> the signs are there. The boat 100%. is there. That is Grab me. the boat. Yeah, that is exactly the situation that I am in. And it's more like, you know... If one of you, okay, if the Lord, if the angel of the Lord appears to one of you and says that they're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, New York and California, I'm asking this room to say, Lord, if there is one good person, you know what, though? I don't know if that, I don't know if that would be me. Never mind. I'm just going to get destroyed with Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> um, I mean, I just got real depressed. It, just, just leave. <laughs> don't know what else to say. I mean, we, I can, I can like have some of my realtor friends like send you some, uh, send you some postcards of sunny Florida, and you can like start thinking about that and plant the seed. I actually know like a ton of realtors, if you'd ever like to talk to any. 
It's like everyone down here is a realtor. I could do it myself. I have reciprocal licensure. I could just go find myself a place in Florida. I have all the same tools. Well, no, I mean, you know, if you want to like, you know, establish some camaraderie or be like, I mean, you know, you oh, don't yeah. automatically okay. know, you don't automatically like know, know the best areas. I mean, papers are only going to tell you so much. You need to, you know, either experience it yourself or, you know, t- maybe talk to like a future colleague who has, who's like, yeah, I live on this side of the road. And it's awesome. But on the other side of the road, it's terrible. Don't go on the other side of the road. I don't know, just because. Yeah, no, experience. that makes sense. It's tough, man. Moving If you own a business of any kind or like real estate, right, there's no salary. So uprooting a business of any sort where you are not a salaried employee is so hard. You're basically like, okay, so I'm going to starve for two years and then pray to God that this was worth it. It's such a daunting task. And my husband's a contractor, so it's the same thing. Where it's like the two of us have put blood, sweat, and tears into building what we have here. Oh, independent contractors is like a Florida paradise. Like if you're like remotely licensed or bonded, you are set. Like because so yeah. many of them are just like, I can do it, sure, no problem. And they just like steal yeah. and scam, and no one's licensed. So like, if you're like licensed and bonded, you're they're, you're gonna be like rolling in gold. Yeah, I mean, literally, you guys could come down here and within two years be millionaires. Like I, there's no doubt. Like there's no doubt. Like especially with Chad's skill set, like, I mean, there's such a building boom and there's such a rich people building boom that he could literally just tailor, like, doing finished carpentry or whatever the heck he does to rich people and charge, like, a huge premium, and they would gladly pay it. Yeah, Chad basically does what Felix does. Like, he does very fancy, you know, finished carpentry for high-end, like, historic stuff. Like, he can replicate you know, 1800s stair banisters and moldings yeah. and that kind of thing. That's what Felix is I mean, up to. He, you would just be able to stay home with the kids and he could make a million dollars a year doing that. Like no sweat. And your taxes are so low and your cost of living is so low. You know, a gallon of milk is like five bucks. It's like four ninety up here right now. Oh my gosh. I just paid like what? Two eighteen. Yeah. It's like two, $2 and 20 cents right now. Yep, it's so bad. I'm not even in the city. This is it's rural upstate up here, and we're in that situation. Like it's so New York is just so bad. Oh, and by the way, you know you have a um, you have a special needs kid. We have excellent special needs stuff here in Florida. It's like kind of the paradise of special needs. Um, and you know, so here's the deal: you could move to a place called Oviedo, Florida. So it would be far enough away from me that it wouldn't annoy me that you live in my neighborhood, <laughs> but it would be close enough where, like, you could, like, get your kids taken care of, and I could point you to the right churches and to the right schools and that kind of thing. Chris, would you selflessly direct me to a non-reformed church? I will. Sure. 100%. Happily. Uh, you know, no problem. There's a are we like, of them. Are we, like, actually making an impression, or are you just, like, going to be like, Oh, no, New York till I die. No, I mean, I don't know if Florida... I don't like the the weather in Florida. Me either. It's Me either. Horrible. But it's better than anywhere yeah. else. It's like it's like Jesus' followers, right? He's like, every, he's like, everyone else left him. He's like, tons of his disciples departed. And they're like, he's like, what about you guys? He's like, but Lord, where else will we go? It's like, like, there's a lot. Like, you know, snakes, bugs, humidity, the heat. There's plenty about Florida I hate. But it's like... Where else will I go? It's like the only safe haven 
from like, you know, debauchery and woke nonsense. So it's like, you know, I can deal with some heat and bugs and just acclimate. So like, I only come out like when the sun is like going down and that's when I like go, you know, do my bike rides, golf cart rides, take the kids to the pool. Like, and it's really awesome. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I just adapt and overcome because where else am I going to go? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Tennessee is tempting. If I were going to Oh, it's getting worse. State. Check it out. Tennessee. Uh, okay. So like, no, so, like Tennessee, so, like, no, no. so like 10 years ago, Tennessee would have been fine. But the same thing is happening yeah. that's happening to Texas right now. So like everyone from like New York and California, you know, because they're they're just cesspools, um, they're all fleeing to Texas and Tennessee. Um, a lot of New Yorkers are coming to Florida, but but it seems like there's a pretty good ratio. The New Yorkers that are coming to Florida are are way more conservative than the ones who are not. So so at least Florida kind of has a hedge. It's like Californians, like they're not changing their their viewpoints or any, any of that stuff, they're just spreading to other places and still keeping their mentality. Um, because they're like, oh, we have brownouts. We can't charge our cars. But, you know, our policies are great. Um, whereas, like, the New Yorkers like, no, this sucks. This is awful. Like, I'm out of here. Like, <laughs> anyway. So, like, the first thing, like, all the New Yorkers do is come down and, like, convert to very, very conservative political viewpoints. And then they start going to church and become Christians. <laughs> yes, that is what I want. But yeah, Tennessee. So I mean, it, I I would have loved to be in like the Smoky Mountains, but now it, it it's another ten years. It's going to be unrecognizable, unless Will Deer lives in Tennessee is about to tell us how we're all wrong or right. Nope. Nope. I typed I typed mine in the in the comments. Oh, Wyoming. So, so I, I've got a song for you, Steph. I'm ready. Is that Ozzy? No, it's the Beatles. Gotta get out of this place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, accurate. Sorry, the animals. Sorry. <laughs> you gotta get out of that place, Steph. Please. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And Steph, the bonus is, if you have any of your enemies that you wish to get rid of, there's alligator lakes literally everywhere. <laughs> Like when your kids start dating and things like that. <laughs> That's horrible. No, no, we mean it in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, they're nice alligators. Feed, feed someone to an alligator in a nice way? Yes. But that still means yes. But you said nice way. Yes. <laughs> That's very Southern of you. You just... You just make them very daunting. They just don't come around then. That's what the alligators do. You don't actually feed them to them. <laughs> Oh, that was my yeah. alligator. <laughs> like, yeah. a moat, like alligator moat. Is I think like Nate has all daughters. I do. <clears throat> oh, did I tell you guys that? They, they en keep telling enjoy me those like, teenage years, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I must not have told you that then. They keep saying they're never going to hate me because I keep bringing it up like, you know, when because like everyone in, on Earth has to make it a point, uh, you know, to be like, um, oh, you have two daughters. Oh, your toughest days are coming. I'm like, no, because they're going to be teenagers and say they hate me. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it before. Um, so every time my kids are around when someone's like, oh, well, they, they seem cute now, but you just wait till they start dating and they get older. And uh, I'm like, you guys are going to be good, right? And they're like, 
Yeah, so like you're never gonna say you hate daddy and slam the door and scream and yell, right? They're like, we'll never do that. So I, I got them on video saying that. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. Like I'm gonna like play this in their sleep whenever they uh, turn to teenagers. Like we'll never hate you, daddy. <laughs> All right, remember that. Remember, you said that. I should have made some kind of deal. Like if you do, then you have to like start paying rent or something. That's, oh, I had a dream the other day. There's like a supermarket <laughs> across the road, and it's just a normal supermarket. But um, for whatever reason, I had a, I had a dream that both of them like uh, were working there, and it was like as soon as they were able to work. So so both of them were somehow magically the same age and started working at the same time. And I'm like, well, you know, it's just a supermarket, but you got in early enough, so uh, you know, you could grow and progress and you know work your way up instead of you know woke ridiculous college. And, and I was, I was like, so proud. And they were also paying rent in my dream. So it's like the best dream I've had in a while. Interesting. Your greatest dream is your children paying rent to you. <laughs> <laughs> and having stable, gainful employment. Uh... Yeah. Um, I don't know. My son, my son wants to go to college out of the United States. So we'll see how that works out. Get a full ride somewhere. No, it's African Christian University. I can do all four years for twenty grand. I'm like, no problem. Do you have to pay like a warlord fee so that he doesn't get like kidnapped or something? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked that much into it. I mean, you know, I'm not really in a traveling mood the way the world is. Um, it's in Zambia. That place is super stable. It's fine. It's a Christian country. And uh, I'll see Vody Bakum um, when he's here in December. So I'll, my son is nervously awaiting getting to meet Vody. You should see if there's any good schools in the kingdom of Zermunia. There's a Munda? Are you trying, you know, to, the one, are you trying the one to do... Coming to America. Yeah, coming to America. Zermunia. It was Zamunda, I think. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Wakanda. Zamunda, yeah. I was not thinking of Wakanda. I was thinking of coming to America. Steph, ever seen that movie? uh, Did you know that after Black Panther came out, there was a a flurry of Google searches for plane tickets to (laughs) Wakanda? (laughs) Oh, our world is so dumb. I love the movies, both of them. But I know Wakanda is not a real place. <laughs> I haven't seen the second one. Is the second one good? Because I read it was pretty good, and I just I don't know why I didn't see it. It I is think a I, beautiful. It's a beautiful saw, tribute I don't remember. to the first to the uh, first Black Panther. It's a beautiful tribute. Oh yeah, because um, he died. He died of cancer. Yeah, yeah. Sadwick Bozeman, is that right? Yes. I've seen them both. First one is better, though. And I am a Marvel fan, so the first one is the best. Better. Are you still? Um, I still. Well, I ain't no new. I am not a fan of the new Superman because he's gay. Everyone's gay in the new Marvel stuff. It's like every time there's a new Marvel, like everyone's gay. Everyone's like gay. I, 
I mean, that, that's the joke because so many of them, like, have to be, like, diverse in every possible way. So, that's so just all, like. That's in all. That's, that's, in, that's in DC and uh, Marvel now. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. you know, they have successfully murdered the superhero industry. Good job, guys. Your superpower is making things suck. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think, like, um, the last Marvel movie I really liked was. Um, was it Age of Ultron, where they're in the big floating sky city thing? But I mean, really, my favorite Marvel movie is is just the first Avengers. Like that was great. You got all the characters. Like it was it was just a good movie. Um, I like the I like that last Spider Man movie when all of them came together. Because the they, they got a scene in there and it's so it, uh, everybody a Christian will laugh at this. Spider Man looks at the original Spider Man. At the original Peter Parker, and he says, "Look at you, looking like the church youth pastor." And I cracked up when I heard that. Is that the one with Flash, where they're in different universes and stuff? No, that's not with Flash. Flash oh. is DC. Spider Man is Marvel. Oh. <laughs> is that what the Black Spider? We're showing you. We're showing our nerdiness right now. <laughs> I guess I'm showing my lack of it. <laughs> so how do you like the picture of me and myself and my wife? I guess for the news. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's the problem. Well, yeah, the new Superman is homosexual. Batwoman, she's lesbian. <clears throat> Batgirl was lesbian. That trips me out. See, I was, I was watching the new, you know, I was watching the new um, South Park, how Christian of me, but um, the South Park one, the, the Panderverse, and the whole movie was about like that and how Disney is like tanking everything and making it like just so they're pandering to everyone. Um, and that, that's what the whole thing was about. So, so that, there's like, what are we doing? And it's like, I had Bob Iger and they're trying to fix it. Cause he was like brought in to try to fix things. He's like, how do we do this? It's like, you know, these execs are ruining everything. It's like, but they're really important people. How do we tell them not to? So like they, like all these people are pitching like amazing ideas, but the people really in charge um, are shooting them down. They're like, make him gay, make him gay. They're like, but it's about animals. It's like, make them gay, make them gay. So like, no matter what kind of good ideas they have for movies, like um, the the people at the top are trying to pander so hard. They're just like to a fault um, because of what we see today. I'm like, man, South Park is such a good um, barometer of the times we live in. I mean, it may not be the most Christian example, but it's a good gauge on our culture. Did you did you ever see the uh, South Park with the Pope? Um, yeah, I don't think so. So the Pope is a lizard person. It's just no. it's so funny. It's so good. I saw the one about uh, uh um 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 oh Scientology and Mormons. Oh, those were great. <laughs> Do you, it was the one about Scientology and it was like showing a spaceship and like a volcano shooting up alien like embryos and and the whole time, um. They just put like they had this thing flashing. It's like this is what they actually believe, and it was like a giant space monster catching the spirits coming out of a volcano, 
and like flying away in a spaceship. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And then the one about Megan and Prince Harry, um, where it's like uh, they were making fun of them for like trying to act like they're so popular and suing everyone that says bad stuff about them, and and then they sued them for saying bad stuff about them. So it's like right now there's like active litigation for the South Park people because of that episode. It's like, oh my gosh, you people are awful. Yeah, okay. Makes me laugh. This is the third day in a row. It's been cloudy and rainy here. It's nice. I like cloudy and rainy. Well, my time is done. I'm going to enjoy this cloudy day. Um, I suppose you are also done, Chris. Uh, I'm going to breakfast with my wife here soon, so. All right. Well, that's fun. Everyone have an awesome day. And I guess we'll see you all later. See you guys. Sow those seeds, people. Sow those seeds.